And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling Mean and angry Hear those co-hosts shouting It's Dana and Jay The presenting sponsor for today's episode of Hear That Podcast Growling is Visa, a network for everyone. Welcome into the show. Paul Inger Jr. here with Jay Morrison. What's going on? Hey, I'm ready. This is this is the fun game. This is one of the ones when the schedule come came out that was really looking forward to. Um just it's it, it something about those those classic uniforms and just the matchup of the old guy and Aaron Rodgers and the young up and comer and Joe Burrow is I look forward to all games, but but this one particularly. It's gonna be fun. It's fun, Jay. It's been a while since yes. we felt like we talked about a like meaningful game, especially when you get into you know one of the best teams in the league cross conference. It's just haven't been a lot of those. Have no. not been a lot of those where the game is interesting. You know, we spend these Thursdays filling a lot of garbage time sometimes. And it's, I mean, there've been measuring stick games like Pittsburgh and it's just the, more the, the rivalry thing. This is, I mean, a team that has been to the NFC championship game the last two years and is three and one, three game winning streak. They're, they're, you look at the power rankings, they're in the top five. Um, it's, this is a huge test. This is, this is, are the Bengals for real? I think there's still a lot of doubters out there that, you know, they're three and one, uh, but who have they beat? If they can pull this one off, I, I think everybody, nationwide perks up and says hey maybe something's going on there there is no doubt and we're going to dive a little bit further into that topic here uh, on today's show i talked a little bit more about that topic i was on our athletic football show our national show with robert mays and Lindsay jones yesterday i highly recommend going over to that you should be subscribed to that if, if you're not uh, we spent they they brought me on for one of their uh every week they do a check-in with a team and so this is the first time they've had me on around the league. We talked a little bit about that 30,000-foot view of the Bengals, a really interesting conversation, one that I enjoyed, and I think it's good to hear the outside view um, and uh, of where this team stands and, and uh, you know, a lot, a lot of Bengals stuff uh, that we don't always talk about on this show. You know, some of the bigger pictures that we get dialed into the minutia here, and we talk a lot about the week-to-week, day-to-day, and some of the stuff that maybe is – part of the conversation is taken for granted for the hardcore fans that I know listen to this. Um, so highly recommend going over and checking that out in the last 20 minutes of uh, the football show uh, with Robert and Lindsay. Please go go check that out over on um, – you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or, or just check that episode or just right on the site. Go, go to The Athletic and, and flip on over in the podcast section. Um, Jay, you have a story up on Greg Gall. I, <laughs> I have been – and people are like, what? Who? Who? No, I, I have been looking forward to Packers Week. Like you said, you were looking forward to Packers Week. I was too. <laughs> but partially, only partially because this game is fun and interesting, mostly because I knew you were working on this story and could not wait to read it. Uh, and it's it's out and it's fantastic. And if, if you haven't, you really, you just, you, you got to. G- give us a quick recap on on the work you've done on this. Yeah, it's just he's a he's the guy that ran on the field, stole the ball from Brett Favre in that 2005 game. That's the the Packers have only been back here one time since then. Um, I, I always wanted to talk to him, and everybody wanted to talk to him. I mean, he talked about how there were every news truck in town, reporters. He lived in a cul-de-sac, and people were just camped out there trying to get him. And he never did any interviews. Um, he he did a kind of a scripted one with the Inquirer to kind of apologize and dissuade copycats. And then he, he flew to New York and did something with inside edition around Christmas that year, uh, just because it was promised it would only air on the West coast and it wouldn't be seen here in town. Um, and that's it. And I looked him up. I was able to find him. I emailed him and I thought 
either I would not get a reply or it would be no, you know, no, thank you. And he emails back and says, yeah, sure. You want just a couple quotes or do you want the whole story on how much, how, how this has brought me attention my entire life? And I said, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I want it all. So he had me out to his house. We, uh, we talked for about an hour over beers and he, he opened, I, he talked about it all. I, I, I guess he saved it up for 16 years and he, he told the story of what he did before the game. Yes, there was beer involved, uh, what he was thinking when he was on the field and then his trip from jail to pachinkos with people throwing money at him <laughs> to court to getting suspended at work. It's, it's all in there. It's, it's, it's a really, I was, I'm thankful. I know a lot of people think, you know, why would you glorify this guy? It's been 16 years ago. He didn't hurt anybody. It was kind of a fun, iconic moment in Paul Brown stadium history. And I just wanted to listen and, and see what he had to say. And, and he had a lot to say. And you get another good story involving Marv. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> should, should Marvin I tell Lewis here, is or? all intertwined inside of it. I think that's we'll save. We'll just save that little teaser for people to go in and, and drive. But uh, that you got Marv to talk about this, and uh, it's a very interesting, so interesting element to this. That's very fun. So I anything on on that side of a of a of a, of a Marv story, I always enjoy. So people, please, if you're not if you're not subscribed, you're still fifty percent off deal going on. I highly recommend the story. It's fantastic, and uh, I think anybody. That it's been a Bengals fan for any matter of time uh, or just a fan of shenanigans uh, absolutely remembers uh, that moment, how crazy it was. And it's crazy the fallout in his life um, because of it. So um, just remember that if you think about running on the field, uh, <laughs> as, yeah, yeah, you, it may feel good and it may give you some attention, but you may not want this fame. You may not want this fame. Uh, all right. I, I, we've got more coming. I've got a Deep dive on Jackson Carmen and his first two games uh, coming out as well. You can go read all of that uh, on the site. Let's let's dive. Uh, oh, Matt Schneidman uh, is going to be on. Uh, we'll have him mm-hmm. later in the episode. Our, our Green Bay writer who has been through hell this year. I feel like <laughs> these poor guys. Being on the Packers beat is just no place to be this year. And uh, having to spend all offseason having to follow the Aaron Rodgers drama is just a thankless gig, uh, but he, a lot of really interesting stuff to say, to say, including, I think, some of the things that he says that really make you think that this game is a little bit more open than maybe Bengals fans would originally mm-hmm. believe. Um, so all that coming up on this show. Bengals growler bet predictions, run past or boot, all our standards coming your way, too. Let's talk about the importance of this game. You mentioned this. I mean, here's the thing to me. It, it, the Bengals have earned the right have this game have national meaning. And I don't know that in the big picture of the season, it matters a ton. Like it's a, it's, it's an NFC game. It's early in the season. If you lose, it's a house money tilt, you know, I mean, you, if you lose, you're supposed to lose. No one's going to hold it against them. If they lose to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and very few teams are going to beat the Packers this year. That's just who they are, assuming Aaron Rodgers stays healthy and Devontae Adams stays healthy. And and so when you have that as the backdrop, you know, it's sort of a whatever game it should be. But they've earned the right by going three and one, by looking promising. The the argument against them is an obvious one, is schedule magic, is small sample size schedule magic against four teams that aren't super. And so no one's going to say that about the Green Bay Packers. And no one's going to say that about beating Aaron Rodgers, potentially. And you've got him in your house, and you've got your momentum and your good vibes rolling. How real are you? You know, I think there's, I think this is about learning, you said it, learning who they are, and everyone noticing maybe who they are, or learning how big the gap is. I think to me, that's more of what this is about is learning how big is the gap between this team being real where they need to be, want to be by the end of the year when they have a whole slate of real contenders on their schedule and where they're at now. How much growing do they still have left to do? To me, is the story that we'll come out talking about with this game. Yeah, you. I mean, the phrase you used, house money, I think is perfect because it, it that's just the, the only downside is if 
they get their doors blown off. And then that's everybody's like, okay, see, they're still really far away. They can't win the, the big important games. It's, it, it's not like there's no moral victories in the NFL kind of thing, but still, if, if they play this game close and Aaron Rodgers does Aaron Rodgers things magic at the end and, and beats them, you know, you still walk away thinking, Hey, they're, they're right there um, from taking that next step. And if, if it goes the other way and they get blown out, then, than it does everybody all the the critics that are sitting there right now that are saying they haven't beat anybody can chirp louder it, on the flip side though if they win this game i mean four and one is something and then you go to you're going to play a bad detroit team with the chance to go five and one and then it's the big huge divisional game against baltimore i mean it, it really it, it can this can really kind of set the path. We talked about it all off season, win early, let these young players with all this confidence, let it swell, let, let everything start coming together and start rolling. It's, it's moving right now, but they, if they win this game Sunday, then yeah, it's, it's, it's the boulder just rumbling down the hill. And it, it's, it just feels like it, it was something that could be hard to stop. We referenced, I reference this a lot, having been around for it and seen it. It's the last time we saw a Bengals team really have true momentum that felt like something that took them to a special place you didn't think they would go, and that was 2015. Hmm. In that season, they played Seattle at home. And Seattle was, I mean, you know, they're in the midst of Legion of Boom and winning championships. I believe they were the defending Super Bowl champs um, that year or at least they were in it. I have to go back and double check myself on that. But and they came here and the Bengals trailed I think 24 to 7 and came back to win that game in a wild one. And and again, it was early. We didn't really know who the Bengals were for sure at that point. They and how good they could maybe be. And they win this game in a wild comeback fashion. Again, cross conference kind of a house money game against a really good Seattle team. And Russell Wilson. That game was referenced all year, and was referenced the in the playoff game against Pittsburgh. Now talking about how they never felt they were down and out when they were down fifteen. It was you know it just it felt like the Seattle game again. It felt we it, they they looked back on that all year, and and it was a true catapult game where it it really made them think, hey, like we can beat anybody. We can come back against anybody. There's no one in this league. And I think they have a bit of that going because of the first four weeks. But what it does when it's a real team, when it's a real top-of-the-league team, is the stuff that you go back and reference all year long and feel like makes you think things can be real during the entire year. And I think that that's a big that's a big difference. And it's a, it's a big difference when you look back and look at Jacksonville and Pittsburgh versus oh yeah that time we beat Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay well the last time they beat Aaron Rodgers they did it in crazy comeback fashion and then you talk about that Seattle game too a couple years later it wasn't just that year they kept looking back on it I remember when I first started the athletic we were doing like a story a question a week and asking everybody in the locker room one question and getting their responses and it was favorite game you've ever played in and so many guys and this was three four five years later and so many guys picked that Seattle game because of of the the comeback, what it meant to beat a quality team. It if you go back and watch that game too, it was funny. The 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 Bengals came out. That first drive was like vintage Andy Dalton 2015. He was they went bam, bam, bam right down the field, just hitting every every receiver he had, just getting chunks. And then they fell apart. They come back and win it at the end on the crazy field goal that bounces off the off the upright. Um I this game could have that that same kind of carryover, and it doesn't have to be a crazy comeback. It doesn't have to be a late win. Just beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and this is a game, like you said, I think they'll look back on all year and say this is the one that really kickstarted it. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, and and if they lose, you know, you come back and you just gotta you, you try to go beat a really down Detroit team, and you sit there at four and two, and you're still happy. I mean, you're you're all everything's mm-hmm. still in front of you, and the idea of who you are as a team. I mean, we still, you know. This is the like we talked about this before the year a lot about what we how we didn't know how how the the spectrum was so wide on what this team could be because you have the young ascending quarterback but we did we missed his second step 
<laughs> like, <laughs> we, we saw the like baby steps in the beginning, and then there's supposed to be a second step that you can judge the third step on, on whether it's still kind of a plateau or whether he's going straight up. Well, we, we didn't get to see his second step, so we don't know how far the third is. And I think this is the one where you learn how far the third is for him and for the whole team. If, if you start, you win this and you start talking very realistically about double digit wins. You start talking very realistically about can they win the North? You, those conversations, I think everyone, myself included, are very scared to have those at this point. I, I don't <laughs> want to jump in that early. Like, I don't, I'm not really willing to jump in on that, you know, knowing what we know. That all changes if you beat Green Bay. And, and that's fun to think about. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Because it's the Bengals podcast. Let's talk about the other side of that. <laughs> and and look, I mean, I think you got to be aware that this is, to me, everybody always wants to make everything about Joe Burrow. This is a game where the defense has to go win it for you, and you're not going to. Here's the thing, and, and you'll talk a little bit about this um, with Matt Schneiman coming up about Aaron Rodgers, and it, people are thinking that Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and throw for 350 yards. It's unrealistic. He hasn't thrown for over 300 yards in 10 straight games, not just regular season games. However, his rating has been under 110 only three times in that stretch. We've been talking a lot about Burrow and efficiency this year and about how he's been much more efficient and not about volume. Aaron Rodgers has this mastered, okay? And they and Matt LaFleur has understood that, that they don't need him to throw it a ton. Uh, they don't need him to throw for 320 yards. And when you're not asking Aaron Rodgers to throw for 320, 330, 350 yards, um, you're going to just wax people. And there's, you know, last year they blew everybody's doors off in points per drive at 3.2. Nobody else had more than 2.7. I mean, they, they were just an offensive machine, even though Rodgers wasn't out there necessarily. He had games early in the season, particularly through for a lot of yards, but you know, they were very balanced and can this defense, you know, keep it within range, keep them under 30. Keep them in the low low twenties. I mean, could they do that? I don't know. I mean, that's that's probably more what this is about. Is about the pass rush and the defense showing how they can do against a, a high powered group like this. Yeah, I mean, it, it. If you take Devontae Adams away, if they are that's a that's a tall task. But if you're able <laughs> to do that, that it affects this this offense a lot. It's not like he's got. It's not like a. You know, the Chiefs have wide receivers and, and guys everywhere. It's it's Devontae Adams has 31 catches and nobody else on that team has more than 13. Um, and if, if you can, Matt talks about this, you get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, just like any quarterback. You can really affect the, the whole you don't have to necessarily sack him, but just keep pressure on him the whole game. It can it can take the rhythm off of the entire offense. And that's what this Bengals defense has been able to do. They are getting pressure up the middle. They're getting pressure off the edge. And the the Packers have a little bit of injury issue too with their their lead running back Aaron Jones is dealing with a an ankle he he played through it last week and he had the same workload but not near the same production um, so if if the, if the running game is hobbled and, and they can just find a way to to take away or even slow down Devontae Adams they've got a real shot of what you said keeping them in possibly the low twenties 
And, you know, there's no excuses. They're getting healthy back there. I mean, they're going to have every opening day starter unless I'm, like, blanking on something. I mean, Chidobe Uze is going to play. They're going to have Trey Waynes, who was your projected opening day starter. They're going to have Mike Hilton. They're going to have Von Bell. They're going to have Jesse Bates. That's your whole secondary. Yep. They're going to have Logan Wilson. They're going to have Jermaine Pratt. They're going to have Akeem Davis-Gaither, your your key linebackers. They're going to have Trey Hendrickson. <laughs> They're going to have Sam Hubbard. They're going to have Larry Ogunjobi. They're going to have DJ Reader. They're going to have BJ Hill. I just named you every major rotational piece of this defense starting week one that you expected to have week one. The only thing missing is Joseph Osai. And so that's so rare five weeks into a season to really have all your pieces available to you. Um, that's a big deal. And I think, you know, because the Packers don't have that. No. The Packers are beat up everywhere. They're, they're, Offensive line is makeshift. Their secondary is falling apart. They're going to have to play almost certainly without one of the best cornerbacks in football in Jair Alexander. I mean, you you are healthy, and your defense is healthy. So if your defense is real, you've got everybody. There's no excuse about some replacement player throwing it all off. Here you go. Here you go. Here's Aaron Rodgers. Here's your healthy defense that's been overachieving. How much can you do it? It's fun. It's, 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 it's a very fun learning experience for all of us to get to watch in real time. And and the interesting thing, I mean, Joe Burrow talked about this is they they can't start they they've been starting games slow in the first quarter, and you can't do that against Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think he he meant to he meant it the way he said it because it kind of sounded like a shot at his own defense. But he said if if we start slow, we're gonna we're gonna blink and be down twenty one nothing. I don't I don't think the I'd be stunned if the Packers put up twenty one early in the you know in the first half against this Bengals defense, but. It is it, it very important that they start coming out faster and, and getting points on the board early, put some pressure on that Packers defense. Um, they, they cannot start the way they started against Jacksonville. No, where, the, where uh, you know, if Jacksonville could have had you down 21 nothing, Green Bay can. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and worse. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot to that. They you've got to you've got to start a lot faster. And you know, and it, and and then you want what you want is it to be close and Joe Burrow has the ball. You know, I mean, to me, that's your ideal situation. And the one thing we talked to Zach Taylor about this on on Wednesday and that is when you're dealing with a team like Green Bay, and particularly Aaron Rodgers, and we saw 36 seconds against San Francisco <laughs> and he brings them back to win. The key element is is you're not affected by playing a good quarterback necessarily with your defensive scheme being there. I mean, there's all you play every quarterback differently. For a head coach and way Aaron plays, your time management is a much higher priority uh, than it is any other week. And that is drives like the game winner against Jacksonville are so ideal, are so important to always be aware of not just are you scoring, but when you're scoring and how you're scoring. Because leaving any bit of time at the end of a half, at the end of a game, will absolutely can kill you. And, you know, and Rodgers has proved that time and time again. Burrow has been very good at understanding that and being aware of that. And the, and the Jacksonville game was a perfect example. The other thing, I mean, they've had a, been very aggressive at the end of halves, Jay. The Morrison mm. minutes have been popular this year. That's right. And how aggressive do you stay? You get the ball with a minute and a half. Are you throwing? Are you taking the chance of leaving some time for Aaron Rodgers? Are you nervous about that? Are you still staying aggressive? I think those the Morrison minutes could be interesting in that respect if, if Rodgers gets in their head. Yeah, and you, you wonder, can they – can they run out a clock the way they did the final 533 against Jacksonville if they don't have Joe Mixon? Can Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Evans be those guys that keep the clock, keep the clock churn and keep the yards going? Um, that that was the the key to that drive was the the Mixon run early and um kind of just got that whole thing going. But he did go out after that and they he on, he didn't play again on that drive and they still milked that whole five thirty three. But it is a, it is a good point. I mean, that's what 
your, your story on the coin flips. That's why that it's, huh. it sounds trivial, but it, it's important. If you can, if you, you, that's why every team defers anymore. If you can get the ball last in the first half score and then flip it and do it again to start the second half, that's huge. It's, that's, you, you rarely get back to back possessions. You never do. Um, that's the only time that it, it can happen. And if you can take advantage and get those, the Morrison minute points at the end of the first half and the Bengals have been pretty good at that and then come out in the third quarter, which they've also been really good. That's their, that's their best quarter, uh, points wise this year. Um, that's, that could be all it takes to, to give yourself a little bit of a buffer with, with I mean, it, the game is never going to be over. You're, you know, you're never going to feel comfortable, even if you get touchdown at the end of the half, touchdown at the beginning of the half. But uh, that can be a key swing to put some more pressure on that, on Aaron Rodgers and that, that Packers offense to, to ca- play catch up, which you, it sounds crazy to say, but if you can force them to play from behind, that that's ideal. I would like to point out in the NFL films, Joe Burrow mic'd up the very beginning. Did you see it? He references how they won four coin tosses in a row this season. <laughs> and he's like, what? We only went. I don't think I only won a couple last year. And I wanted to be like, Joe, I could I could actually show you the spreadsheet that Jay put together. <laughs> if you if you'd like if you'd like to see exactly how many you won last year. Um yeah, so look, it's people are talking about it. <laughs> it's oh, eight in a row. That's crazy. Eight, eight in a row. One in two hundred and fifty six chance. We'll see if it ends up uh ends up nine in a row uh on Sunday. A high drama around the coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> um the other side of this, we talked with Frank Pollock yesterday, and I, I'm writing about Jackson Carmen and, and there's a, a lot of Jackson Carmen stuff looking at his two weeks. And I want to get to that in a second, but he said something else. And he started talking about Joe Burrow and was asked about Joe Burrow, I should say. And I thought it was pretty, you know, it was pretty good. And you may have even seen what he said as it kind of went around the internet yesterday. But I wanted to bring you here's here's Frank Pollock asked about Joe Burrow on Wednesday. I don't coach quarterbacks, but I know he's damn good, and I'm I'm, I'm excited that uh, I'm coaching the O line for him. He, he's an incredible, talented guy. But more importantly, he's he's got a. Uh, an aura about him. He reminds me of a lot of Montana having played with that guy, his swagger. And then uh, kind of when he makes a, a statement, guys listen to everything he, he says. And uh, and he's deadly, man. So we got to do our part and give that guy all the time that he needs to make make those great plays, and which he's been doing. He's an out, outstanding athlete and, uh, and a really a fun guy. He's really, really a low-key, humble guy. And, He's all ball too. It's like there's nothing else but ball. And it, as a coach, you kind of gravitate to those kind of guys. You kind of like those kind of guys. That this is a lot. Like we hear a lot of stuff like this. I mean, everybody kind of has something to say about Burroughs' intangibles and the leadership and just the way people kind of. You, he's just a guiding light for everybody. The Montana thing has come up before, and now Frank it. A lot of times, guys like Mike Daniels referenced how he's kind of like Aaron Rodgers, right? In a, an offseason mm-hmm. interview, because Mike Daniels played with Aaron Rodgers. Like the a lot of times, guys compare to people they know, and they may only know a few great quarterbacks. Frank Pollock knows Joe Montana. He played with Joe Montana, and that's you know for a lot of Bengals fans, that's before their time, and for other Bengals fans, it makes them curse. <laughs> uh, thinking about Joe Montana, uh, and especially on the uh, podcast where we mentioned thirty some seconds, uh, namely thirty four seconds uh, in Super Bowl twenty three. But the comparison, I had heard that before. I go back to I believe it was Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks on their on their podcast, their Move the Sticks podcast, talked about it in the lead up to the draft about how his personality and the way that he operated and how he was just so calm in every situation and just absolutely just roasted people in the biggest moments and and, and wasn't necessarily somebody who jumped off the film as a great athlete or great arm talent, but just always made the right decision, great in the biggest moments. Joe Montana, they reference. I remember the, the Joe Cool thing being sort of part of the conversation around Joe Burrow, and for Frank Pollock to kind of see that the same way and mention Montana, um, it it connected that to me, and I th- I think that's a very real comparison across very different games. I mean, the game played in the '80s is so far different, but um, 
but the type of personality that can win championships. Um, yeah, I think I thought that was pretty good from Frank. It, it, it's surprising too. I mean, you, you're right. Uh, we've heard that comparison a lot um, from maybe teammates and and analysts outside, but but coaches are kind of leery of doing that comparison thing with players and especially a legend like that. And to, to put that on a, a second year quarterback and, and make that comparison, it, it tells you that they, they truly believe it and they're not afraid of putting that on Joe Burrow. I mean, some, some, you wouldn't, sometimes you wouldn't want to kind of put that weight on a young guy and they're like, he can handle it. And, and Frank was just speaking honest and seeing the comparison. But I thought that was, newsworthy because i mean that was that was always marvin lewis's go-to is i you know i don't want to compare players and and a lot of coaches feel that way about it i mean you you do see it and that's it it, i think that's what is going to be most fun to watch as he develops because he's already got it now imagine once he gets two three four years into this league he he could be stacking up those those comeback wins like Aaron Rodgers, like a Tom Brady, where it's just it's it just becomes a, a second nature. You hope it's not that that case, or the Bengals hope it's not the case because you don't always want to be playing from behind. But that's what this league is. These games are close, and so many times come down to who has the ball last. And I don't think anybody uh, has any concern at all about Joe Burrow having the ball in his hands at the end of a game. Uh, Joe Montana was two and six through his first two seasons, and then in 1981 turned it on for his big breakout in his basically basically is kind of the, a first second season because he barely he barely played as a rookie in 1979 mm-hmm. i'm not i mean i'm not saying <laughs> I, i'm not I, i'm not i'm just i just kind of enjoy when you really start diving into these comparisons when joe montana started becoming that guy and it was yeah about this time so Kind of just kind of a fun, interesting thing. Another thing we talked a lot about Frank Pollock was Jackson Carmen, and I wrote about, and you can read more in depth about it uh, with some some more look at some specific plays um, and things to kind of get a gauge for Jackson Carmen because he's been interesting because he's received praise in the fact that the line as a whole has played well the last two weeks when he was inserted for Xavier Suofilo. But Pro Football Focus would make you think that this is the worst player in the history of the league. (laughs) And in fact, his current grade of 28 would be the worst grade for a guard in the history of Pro Football Focus grading, uh, dating back to 2006. So what what is the answer? Like what I wanted to spend some time diving this week into, well, what's the reality here? And in talking to people and in looking through the tape and 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 kind of getting a, a big picture view of it, I is that it's in, like most things, it's in the middle. You know, I think the answer is he's been up and down. He's had some ugly moments, but the thing is, you know, is is it hasn't been so bad um because of his size and speed that he's been able to kind of make up for um some of the knowledge stuff. And then he's proven to really be um, a hard worker and pretty cerebral and not making the same mistakes twice like he did to open the game against Pittsburgh. And, you know, there's a few plays where there's a play. It was kind of a forgotten play on the drive where they were down 21-14 and end up scoring on the uh, off-script throw to C.J. Uzama against Jacksonville where – he gets hooked up against Adam Gotts this one on one, and he holds. I mean, he holds him absolutely stones him. He's holding him for. He's got him for four seconds, and when the ball comes out, and he could have probably gone for another two or three. I mean, he just absolutely crushes him, and he moves him with his with his power. You see him move him back. Well, Riley Reef gets kind of beat around the outside. And Burrow steps up, and lo and behold, he has a huge newly morphed pocket created just by Jackson Carmen pushing him so pushing Gotsis so far back that allows him to take a deep shot to Jamar Chase. It ends up incomplete, but he has he holds the ball for four seconds. It gives Chase plenty of time to get down the field. Boyd's running a deep crosser too, and it's all created because of this redone pocket that Carmen almost creates all by himself. And that's like the excitement and upside that you see. And Frank Pollock talks a little bit about how he's seen some of the nastiness and the tenacity that has really surprised him and been it made him really excited about what Carmen's kind of doing. 
And so you do see that. But then on the other hand, you see him just get beat in front of his face and lunge and get to the second level and kind of do the spins. Like here, I, I, I term it like when I was, I had no business being a server. Like when I was first graduated from, like I was in college <laughs> and, and, and I didn't know what I was doing. And one day they're like, Paul, we got to put you on the floor. Like we're getting slammed. And they gave me, you know, like six booths at once. If anybody's ever been in the restaurant business knows it's a total disaster. I had no idea what I was doing. And you get this thing where you're in the weeds where you just, it just call it the like frozen spins where you just stand like in the middle of the kitchen and you're so many things to do and you don't know how to do them all. And you just put your arms out and spin in a circle with like the deer in the headlights look. Like I don't even know what to do next. Like you're just frozen. Like I feel like Carmen has been that on the second level like four times. Right, he just gets out there and is like, "Uh, I want to know that." Oh crap, I didn't do anything, you know. And so there's there's that, and I think that's where the pro football focus grades show up because it look it looks particularly bad. But look, Joe Mixon has run for four point six yards a carry the last two weeks, and Joe Burrow has hardly been hit, only sacked once. That works. I, I tend to say let the kid grow and and you're okay with those as long as those numbers are there. Um I I'm okay with whatever PFF wants wants to grade Carmen for now. Yeah, and I mean he's not the first rookie to come in and maybe be a little high on himself and and not not in the best shape and just you know, just not an ideal way to get here. And I I think back, you know, there's two ways you can go when that happens where the coaches start riding your ass really hard and you clam up or you respond. And I, I always think back to, to PJ Dawson. I know he plays defense. I played defense. <laughs> don't, don't think back but, to PJ Dawson. Nobody well, else. Is. I mean, do you remember he was, he was a guy that had issues and they, yeah. they tried everything they could. They eventually cut him. They bring him back on the practice squad. His first practice after that, he shows up late and they're like, are, are you kidding? You know, Jackson Carmen comes in, not the best start to his career. Frank rides him hard and he instantly got it. He, you, you could just see the change. I, I have, I took video one day in camp, um, where it was after practice and, you know, some guys stick around and run, uh, receivers will stick around and catch and the quarterbacks will sometimes stick around and throw the, you know, the second and third string guys. It, rarely do you see offensive linemen stick around after practice and Carmen was out there all by himself. All, every other offensive lineman, pretty much every other player had left, and he was just sitting there working in the end zone on his pass sets. And, you know, something you don't have to do, but just putting in the extra time, trying to to work his way back up the depth chart and waiting for this opportunity. And now it's here, and it, you can live with some of the 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 mental errors and, and some of the physical ones, too. He ends up on the ground more than an offensive lineman should, but – to, to see that that light come on so quickly for a young guy, I think that's encouraging. And, you know, he's he was a second rounder. He was a high draft pick. A lot of other teams may have had him third round, but it's it's a guy that people think can play. And it, it's just gonna, it's going to be fun to watch because I, I we, they keep talking about Xavier Suofilo and giving him a little more time. I think we've talked about this. I don't expect to see him get this job back. This is going to be Jackson Carmen's for the rest of the year. Uh, you know, unless it goes really south, and I, I don't think that's going to be the case. He's still going into game three, and there's, I, I think it's just going to get better as it goes as he starts getting more comfortable. He's got veterans around him. Um, the, he's not going to be the the liability. He's not going to have that twenty something grade all year. They hope not. Uh, I do. I agree with you. I think it's 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 absolutely his job, and will stay his job. And. But you know it's going to be one to watch this week. Kenny Clark has been is an animal, um, and they move him all over. They, you know, if you look at his distribution of where he lines up specifically, you know, left defensive tackle, right defensive tackle, out to end inside. They 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 will try to put him on a matchup, and you best believe they're going to be trying to put him over top of Jackson Carmen. Um, and try to get Kenny Clark to get after him. He's really been he's really been their most disruptive pass rusher. I mean, they have others that have maybe had um, some more pressures or whatever off the edge. But as far as you know, we know we know what it's like when they're coming up the middle. And if you don't stop Kenny Clark, he can ruin your game plan. And they're going to be trying to put him over Jackson Carmen. So it's going to be a big week. All right, let's just take a quick break. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's dive in with uh, with our guy in Green Bay. Jay, you caught up with Matt Schneiman this week, um, who has been all over the Packers beat, probably, <laughs> and exhausted because of it. Uh, and so, including having to get up at like 6 in the morning for Jalen Smith signing, it's just <laughs> never ending up there. Uh, so, Jay, here's, uh, here's your conversation with our guy in Green Bay, Matt Schneiman. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. This is a, an interesting game coming up. I, I guess it's everything's been interesting for you since last January. What was, what was this off season like with the the whole Aaron Rodgers situation? It was interesting because obviously, you know, toward the end of last season, I had heard you know behind the scenes that stuff wasn't as rosy as it may have been or or looked on the surface. I was surprised that the news came out so suddenly and quickly on draft day that he wanted out, which was true. Everything that was reported was true. Um, I'm not surprised that it kind of got back to normal right when he reported to camp, but this off season was crazy. Had my phone next to me at all times, regardless of what I was, I was visiting family and friends back on the East coast. I'm, I'm from the New York city, Connecticut area. So uh, I couldn't go day without checking my phone. I already checked it enough as is, but um, was glad to get a resolution to it in camp and um, they've kind of put all that behind them. Obviously we're going to go down that road again after this season too. Um, Cause it, he's kind of on a year by year basis now, but um, fascinating off season definitely uh, makes it a little more newsworthy relevant than the Packers normally are, which is pretty newsworthy and relevant normally um, got off to a rocky start, obviously with that loss, uh, to the Saints in Jacksonville, but rebounded with three wins and sets up a nice matchup here with the upstart Bengals. So I think it should be a really good game. Yeah, it's weird. You look at the the passing leaders and you have to go to page two on NFL.com to find Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's 26th in the league in passing yards. Is that a product of of that stinker in, in week one? It just takes a while to catch up or does it look like this this offense is still trying to find its footing somewhat? I think a little bit of the first one, obviously the the 38-3 loss when you run only 12 plays in the first half before the mm-hmm. two-minute drill kind of puts you behind the eight ball statistically, but he hasn't had to do as much with his arm. You know, the running games got off to a rough start, but they've used a combination of, you know, timely defensive stops since that, since that opener. Um, a little bit of Rodgers, a little bit of the running game, a little bit of great field position to to find the winning formula i guess and and against the lions in week two they scored 35 against the 49ers in week three they scored 30 last sunday against the steelers they scored 27 so the offense hasn't been lacking you know points wise Mm -hmm. maybe we're not seeing the 
350 yards, four touchdowns from Rodgers that we saw often last year in his MVP season, but they're finding different ways to win um, with a lot of injuries, which I think is, is a good thing that they can take away from it, even though, you know, these injuries that they have could, you know, decimate them down the stretch. You know, you talked about how this team always seems to be in the news and newsworthy, and it's not always Rodgers. It's a perfect example of that this morning where the Packers signed Jalen Smith. Um, how big of an impact can he make, and uh, do you think we'll see him on Sunday? I don't know. You know, uh, I was talking to our Cowboys writer, our, our colleague John Mashoda, and and mm-hmm. he didn't seem too confident that Jalen Smith would be able to find that 2018 form that got him a huge extension. And I think it's interesting. They signed him. I think it's more of a depth signing, to be honest, you know, they have Devondre Campbell who um, was on the fit was a fourth round pick of the Falcons in 2016, spent the first couple of years of his career there played for Arizona last year. He's been really good at inside linebacker to start the season. One of the best in the league at the position, one that the Packers have notoriously struggled at. He is the guy there and they have Chris Barnes, um, a 2020 undrafted free agent out of UCLA who earned that starting role there last year uh, coming off a concussion, but he's their number two. So given Jalen Smith's recent struggles and, you know, obviously why the Cowboys released him, I could see him being that second inside linebacker when the Packers play base or really more of just a depth signing because they have two guys named Ty Summers and Oren Burks who are kind of their third and fourth guys there who have had to play more with Chris Barnes injury, but those guys are really mainly special teamers. Um, so this obviously isn't a, an expensive signing uh, of Jalen Smith. I tend to think it's more of a depth signing anyway, but Hey, Matt LaFleur was with Jalen Smith at Notre Dame in 2014 when he, he was the quarterback's coach, but still. Um, so we'll see if a change of scenery can do uh, for Smith, what it did for Devontae Campbell here. And what about on the back end of that defense? I mean, it, it looks like it's a plus-minus situation with Jair Alexander going out. And Does it look like Kevin King is going to play this week and come back? It has the potential to be brutal, and not mm-hmm. only for this speedy you know, Bengals wide receiver core and, and a potentially explosive offense. For the rest of the season, Jair Alexander is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL uh, Probably, I would say, second best behind Jalen Ramsey, third behind Xavier Howard, if you want to say. He's 24 years old, and he was a second-team All-Pro last year, their 2018 first-round pick. Um, And he suffered a right shoulder injury, actually blowing up a a fourth-down screen pass for Najee Harris on Sunday and turnover on downs. But we still don't know, and we're recording this on Thursday morning, we still don't know what the Packers are, are going to do with Alexander. They, they are in the process of determining whether he needs surgery or not. Um, and if he does, his season will likely be over, is what Matt LaFleur told us yesterday. They, they could struggle. I mean, Kevin King has had a brutal stretch of games dating back to the NFC Championship game. He's missed the last two games with a concussion. He was practicing in some capacity on Wednesday, but I don't know if he's going to be back. He's making his way through the concussion protocol. The other guy they have there is Eric Stokes, their first round pick from Georgia, the rookie 29th overall pick. He's been up and down, probably more good than bad, but he still showed at times why he's a rookie. So if they have to roll with, with Eric Stokes and and Kevin King and outside corner on Sunday, it could get real interesting. Flipping it to the, the other side, the, the Bengals corners, I, I was curious, you know, if you having covered the Packers, do you recall one-on-one matchups with Trey Waynes and, and Devontae Adams? Did, they, did Trey Waynes travel and follow Devontae when, when those Vikings-Packers games were going on? Or did they have classic battles that were kind of back and forth? It was more Xavier Rhodes, if okay. I remember correctly. Um I think Devontae had the famous saying like roads closed or roads open. I forget which one it was, but he used to just smoke Xavier Rhodes. And this is only what my third season covering the Packers. Okay. But yeah, I, I, they, I'm sure they matched up. I can't say off the top of my head how many times, but um, I'm interested to see how the, how the Bengals guard Devontae because I, I think, you know, try to be unbiased. I, I do think he's the best wide receiver in the league. Um, the Steelers pretty much took him out of the game by doubling him. That's pretty much what teams do now. He still had 11 targets, but only six catches for 62 yards. That's kind of 
that's a bad game for him, especially coming off his his 11 catch, 132 yard touchdown performance against the 49ers. That's kind of what we've come to expect. Aaron Rodgers is going to target him double digit times, regardless of what coverage he gets. So, what do you guys think in terms of what what the Bengals might do to to guard him? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. They they they're getting Jesse Bates back their their safety. Um, I, I don't know if they'll if they'll double him right off the bat. They they may just go single and see how they how it works out if he starts eating them up then make the adjustment but yeah it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I always think about that when you see a guy that has a history against a guy and now he's in a new place if you know that, that those old rivalries kind of come back but um trey waynes is just kind of getting back into it too he, he missed the first three games with an injury missed all last year with an injury so it'll it'll be that's that is the guy that there's a guy that they are going to have to stop to to have any chance of winning this game. So maybe they do, maybe they come out and just roll coverage toward him right off the bat. Yeah. It's interesting because over the years, Devonte has been asked about individual matchups, whether it's with Richard Sherman, when he was in San Francisco mm-hmm. or Jalen Ramsey in the playoffs last year, or Rhodes. Um, he always says he doesn't study players. He studies formations and really focuses on how he's going to attack a defense based on whatever coverage they're in. So if you ask him about Trey Waynes, he's not going to talk. I mean, he's fantastic with us. I, I would say he's the best interview on the team. So this is not a knock on him. But if you ask him about Trey Waynes, he's going to say, you know, I don't prepare for Trey Waynes. I prepare for the Bengals. And, you know, what I did against him in Minnesota has no bearing on on what I'm going to do on Sunday. So, yeah. Well, uh, the last one I wanted to leave you with, the the, the situation with the O-line, because the Bengals' D-line has really been the strength of this team. I, I know um, Josh Myers is dinged a little bit right now. And, uh, you got a rookie at left guard, correct? Yeah, the Packers' offensive line situation is interesting right now because um, David Bakhtiari, who was a first-team All-Pro left tackle last year, um, still out for another couple weeks. He tore his ACL in Week 17, practicing for that game against the Bears last year. Um, he'll still be on pup for at least another two games. Elton Jenkins, who was the Pro Bowl starter at left guard last year, had been playing left tackle. Um, and playing it really well. He, he's the, their third-year offensive lineman out of Mississippi State, their second-round pick a couple years ago. Um, he has an ankle injury that has kept him out the last two weeks. He did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, I would s- guess that he's not going to play. So what they've done is they have Yash Nyman at left tackle. He's a 2019 undrafted free agent out of Virginia Tech. Mammoth guy, 6'8". But he's played well the last two weeks against – the 49ers and Steelers, who have really good defensive lines. Um, yes, they've given him plenty of help in, in terms of chipping and, and shifting you know, blocks that way. Left guard is John Runyon Jr. He's a second-year guy out of, out of Michigan, a sixth-round pick. He's played well. Then you got Josh Myers, the rookie uh, out of Ohio State at center. Uh, Royce Newman, the rookie fourth-rounder out of Ole Miss at right guard. And Billy Turner, who is the veteran in the room. Um, I believe he's a 2013 draft pick uh, at, at right tackle. So they, they've played admirably the last two games considering who they have out there. The Bengals are going to be another tough test. Matt LaFleur talked yesterday just about how many problems Trey Hendrickson can can give them. They saw him when they played New Orleans last year. So it'll be interesting. You know, Can they make it three times in a row kind of holding Aaron Rodgers upright? He, he's only truly been sacked twice the last two weeks. Um, with this makeshift offensive line. So it, the the formula to disrupt this high-powered Packers offense the last couple of years is really make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable, pressure him, get him on the ground. And, you know, if, if they haven't been able to do that the last two weeks with the 49ers and Steelers, I don't know how successfully the Bengals will be able to, but, you know, nothing would surprise me. Yeah, well, probably that will be the key to the game is if they can get pressure on him. Hey, uh, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I know you're busy with the, the Jalen Smith signing and uh, look forward to seeing you meeting you in person on Sunday. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Jay. All right. Great hearing from Matt and, and uh, excellent as always. Really good insight. And, you know, I thought, Jay, he makes a lot of great points about a, a Packers team that's a little ripe for the picking in some key spots. Yeah, I mean they are they're banged up on defense. They're banged up on the offensive line. Um I I I wasn't super confident about this game early in the week, but I 
I, I think there's, we'll get to our predictions here a little bit, but, uh, I, I think the Bengals can really take advantage and of, of where the, the Packers are, are banged up and, and make this one really, really interesting and close down to the wire. We will get to that. That's an excellent segue, Jay. First, <laughs> Bengals growler bet update. First of all, we never updated last week's Bengals growler bet, which we made insanely difficult. So I honestly almost forgot to even look because I just assumed no one would get it. Well, shout out to Daniel Bayless, who was uh, so close. So close. <laughs> we had we were we had that you had to get Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence's yards per attempt on the nose. Joe Burrow was 10.9 yards per attempt. Trevor Lawrence was 8.5. Shout out Daniel, who had 10-8 and 8-3. Man, I did not anticipate that kind of a sweat. Uh, <laughs> thank goodness uh, that it ended up just a little bit off. I would have been really demoralized if I would have to give away more delicious 50 West beer. Um, on that hard one, that's supposed to be my our vindictive one. <laughs> so close but we do have also did we ever reference shout out to alex who did win two weeks ago and we yeah. questioned his age and he sent it in he he sent us a, a picture of his id with the with the important things you know marked out as you should redacted he's 30 <laughs> shout out to you alex you have a very much a baby face in your avatar but congrats on being 30 I mean, it's it's starting to go downhill from there. As someone who's forty, I can tell you, live it up. Uh, <laughs> I disagree I, with that. Uh, <laughs> My fifties have been really fun. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll it'll come back around. It'll come back around for you. Uh, but yeah, so shout out to that, and I apologize for for uh, thinking you were so young. And uh, congratulations on your victory. We'll of course be in touch with uh, getting you your goods on that. This week's Bengals growler bet. Is a fun one. It's one of my favorites, too. I love when we do time of game ones. Uh, and so we've got one of those for you this week. A reminder on Twitter, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet, or email me directly, pdaner, D-E-H-N-E-R, at theathletic.com with growler in the subject head. That's how I find you. Growler in the subject header of that email. This week's Bengals Growler Bet, time on the clock of the last touchdown in this game Sunday. You must be within four seconds. Now, time on the clock is time of the snap. So the, if if the, the play starts at 141 left, um, that is the time that counts as the time for this because uh, that's how it's listed in the game book, not the time like the guy actually crosses the goal line or anything like that. It's the time of the snap. So time on the clock for the snap of the last touchdown in the game, and you got to be within four seconds. It should be known, Jay wanted to make this harder on you. He wanted it to be three seconds. I wanted it to be five, so we came in the middle of four. I'm trying to be nice to you people. I want you to get delicious 50 West beer. Jay wants it to be harder. I mean, I just feel like a lot of people are going to go really close to zero, and if you give them a if you give them a five second buffer, that would make it way too easy. Even even four feels like we might be giving away some beer, but maybe maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be a field goal in the final seconds, not a touchdown. That's the key point. Not field goal, not score. Touchdown must be the time of the last touchdown in this game. Either team, you don't have to name the team, just the time. And you will be the winner of delicious 50 West beer, which home sweet home still out and available. Highly recommend best fall beer available. Um, run passer boot. And then we'll get into predictions. I think we got a pretty good one. Do, do you want to do our pretty? Oh our yeah, we should, we, should, we should do ours so I can continue to, to boost <laughs> my, my lead here. We'll do closest. Whoever can get closest between me and you. Uh, I have mine. Do you have yours, Jay? I do. You want me to go first since I'm yeah. losing? Yeah. Um, I will say 141. And to add the degree of difficulty, I'm going to say Burrow to Chris Evans. Wow. Wow. Extra credit. <laughs> Trying to get extra credit out here. I, you know, people that knew me specifically as a high school student will know I will not be trying to get extra credit. 
422 in the fourth quarter is my answer. I would like to do the minimum amount required of me. 422 in the fourth quarter is my answer, and I will say nothing more. Uh, all right, run pass or boot. I think we got a good one and a relevant one to this game, a, a number worth remembering on Sunday. And you can think, oh, I heard that on Hear That Podcast Crowd, and I love those guys. <laughs> uh, run pass or boot, Jay. What will be higher? Aaron Rodgers completion percentage. Bengals red zone touchdown percentage or Joe Burrow completion percentage. You came up with a good one this week. Yeah, it's it's tough because that red zone percentage could be all over the place, but the Bengals are fifth in the league in red zone percentage offensively. The Packers are last. Packers defense has let teams in the red zone 11 times and given up a touchdown all 11 times. That's amazing. So it is amazing. Uh, and even more, they're, they're tied for 31st, which means some other team has given up a touchdown on every possession, too. I'd have to look that up and see who that other team is. But um, that one can be 100, or it could easily be 33. It could be one for three. Um, you kind of know what Rodgers and Burrow, their, their range, Rodgers in the mid-60s, Burrow's up around 70. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to, Stick with the trend and, and go with. I'll run with Bengals red zone percentage. I'll pass on Burrow completion percentage and I'll boot Rogers completion percentage. I, you know, it's it, you're right. I mean, the trend suggests uh, the Bengals will be great in the red zone. Um, when you when you look, that's remarkable. Eleven trips without stopping them once. I wonder what it is if you go back to last year, like what kind of streak? They're How on. many in a row? What's the streak? Um, I, I will say, I, 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 I don't know. That feels unlikely to me. I'm going to say Rogers completion percentage. I'm going to run with, and I will pass on Bengals red zone percentage. Um, am I really booting Burrow completion percentage? Can you do that? I I know he's been so good in that regard this year. I will. I'll, I'll boot Burrow completion percentage. Um, I think that I I don't see the Bengals being perfect, but I don't know why I shouldn't considering what Green Bay has been this year. A very that's you know that's where you win this game is taking advantage of what has been a weakness for Green Bay all year. Boom, mark that stat. Eleven of eleven has to continue. Go four of four, right or three of three. Mm-hmm. When you get down there, don't settle for field goals because you can't afford to settle for field, goal, field goals against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, big difference in this game on Sunday. All right, speaking of prediction time, I have mine written down here, Jay, and you sound like you're much more optimistic. So I'll let you go ahead and go first and spread your optimism. Nah, well, I'm I'm I was I'm more optimistic about it being close, um, but I, I'm not. I can't pick them. Um, I'm gonna say. Green Bay 27, Bengals 24. 27-24? Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. We have seen the Bengals with 24 points in regulation uh, in three of their four games this year. <laughs> yes. So it's a, it's a, it seems to be a, a number that they're capable of getting to and sticking on. I will do the same. I'll, I think the Packers cross 30. I mean, Aaron Rodgers... You know, they cross 30. It's what they do. Uh, I have Packers 31, Bengals 24, and they do get the ball to Burrow at some point in the, for a final drive. I, th- I think it's, I do think they have a drive. Um, I, I think that they'll need a touchdown. So I have Packers 31, Bengals 24, and they're, they're close enough. And then you, and, and you come out of this game and you look down the stretch and you see your December schedule. It's what I'll think of first after this if it's close. You got till December 5th, Chargers, Niners, at Denver, Baltimore, Kansas City, all at home. What does your home games against real contending teams look like then? How much better do you got to be? How much better do you got to be to beat the Green Bays of this league? How far are you away? What is the, the gap? And I think that'll be the story of the game. If it's the gap, if it's 31-24 and you were right there with him the whole way and Aaron just kind of was a little bit better, I think you feel good about this team continuing to grow and being that good to beat the Chargers and the Niners and the Ravens and the Chiefs at home in December 
uh, than you would if this one goes sideways. So big one on Sunday. Fun one on Sunday. Very excited about it, Jay. Stay off the field, everybody. Stay off the field. You, As much as you think you might want to be Greg Gall, <laughs> read his story. You don't want to be Greg Gall. Maybe you do. I don't know. It's good for a night at Pachinko's. Yeah, one night. <laughs> one night. It's good for one <laughs> night until until all the all the uh, TV stations are parked on your cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> Great story, Jay. Really enjoyed it, and I highly recommend going read again. Uh, you can go and if you want to be a subscriber to the Athletic, you can also just go in the description of this podcast. Uh, link is there to fifty percent off. Just click on the link to our hear that podcast ground page, and you can subscribe there and get everything. Not just Bengals, not just Bearcats, not just the Reds, not just Cincinnati. Premier League, NBA's kicking up, NHL, you name it, all of it going on. We've got reporters everywhere, um, and you'll have all the inside stuff, over 400 of us. So just go click the link in the description, and you can subscribe. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You will hear us next on The Walkout after Sunday's game. We will talk to you then. Enjoy the tilt, everybody. Have a good one.